Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guest is Nick Corman. Nick is an author, poet, and spoken word artist from Greensboro, North Carolina, and a graduate student attending North Carolina Central University. He uses his art as a way to discuss healthy ways to express manhood and masculinity, to address various social issues, and to discuss mental health awareness. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for being here, Nick. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. Absolutely. So we're going to start out with a conversation starter. It's just going to be a random question that I'm going to draw from the pile and we'll see what you got. Okay. Okay. What constitutes community to you? Oh, man. Um, I think that to me, community is folks being able to rely on each other um, and just really being able to, you know, lift each other up and being able to you know, hold, hold, hold each other um, accountable and, you know, just being, being there as a, as a, as a support piece and to, you know, not, not allow us to get, you know, too big for our britches, but also, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but uh, also, you know, not allowing us to get, you know, too down in the doldrum. So just, you know, keeping in, in, an even keel, um, but, you know, also like lifting as we climb. So, you know, we're not just, you know, leaving, um, folks behind just because, you know, we're starting to experience, you know, a little bit of success or because things are starting to go well for us. So it's just all about um, making sure that, you know, we all stay um, stay true to ourselves, and, you know, stay true to true to our roots. Yeah, I love that so much. Thanks so much for answering that. So we're going to get right into um, your poem. For those listening, I never get a sneak peek at what the poem is going to be. I like to be surprised and listen along with my listeners. Um, so I will give you an opportunity, Nick, to just introduce yourself and then you can get right into uh, presenting your piece. Cool, cool, cool. So um, good afternoon, everybody, or morning or evening or whatever, <laughs> whatever time of day it is that you will be listening or watching to this. Uh, my name is Nick Corman. I'm a poet, spoken word artist, author, um, and motivational speaker from Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, I'm currently a master's student uh, seeking my uh, degree in African-American history at the illustrious North Carolina Central University. Uh, you know, shout out to, to all my folks at HBCUs. Uh, let's continue to you know support and fund those HBCUs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, you know that's, just, that's just a little bit about me. You know, I'm just, just really excited to, you know, do this do this poem, man. I'm just really excited. Yeah, thanks so much again for, for introducing yourself and just taking time to um, share with the community. So whenever you're ready, you can get started. Cool, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to my sisters, you haul so many burdens and I'm amazed that you find a way to keep moving. But although I admire you for being so strong, I wish it were a choice rather than a requirement. I fear for our sisters because I want more for black women, but sometimes I really don't know what I can do. And as much as I want to protect them, I feel ineffective with what I try to do. Like how can I alleviate their hardship when they casually carry the weight of the earth and the moon? How can I tell them to be optimistic when the world shows them doom? And at times I feel like my words are just band-aids when they have bullet wounds. It's one thing to tell them to escape, but who can they run to? 
and there shouldn't be new, but the reception of respect is what black women lack. We never cut our sisters any slack because nothing has ever been tailored to them. And even if nurturing is in their nature, they never asked to be the essential workers of the black community. So how can I protect these women that have been so instrumental and essential to me? I fear that I could be laying in a queen with my queen and the scene can be serene as we dream and the police could just bust in and start blasting war machines so I can't help but think about Breonna Taylor. It makes me stressed because America dressed this beautiful and ambitious sister in bullets. So now death is Breonna Taylor and her murderers are still free. So everyone from the attorney general to Lady Liberty have disrespected and failed her. I fear my sisters might encounter brothers with feeble minds and fragile egos. We've lost too many sisters at the hands of brothers who are oblivious to signs of disinterest and don't understand the simplistic concept of no meaning no. And we can talk about protecting black women from the white man because he's our oppressor, but we can't ignore the fact that it'd be the men who are black that will more than likely press her. Black women deal with a different type of pressure because she'll expend all this energy trying to fight and defend the, the ones that harass and stress her as black men. We need to do and be better since we're all in this together. We don't need the fragility attached to our masculinity, sending our women on a no expense paid vacation to a medical facility in the world's find a stretcher because how can we say we love our sisters? We have to check our toxic traits because how can we say we love our sisters but consistently show them hate? We can't say we are here to respect and protect our women if our voices and narratives always overpower theirs. How can we enjoy the fruits of black labor and disregard the ones who are responsible for placing the seeds in the garden? How can we expect for how can we expect for the world to respect our women when they've always made history only for us to restrict them to the margins? Because it was black women who organized that bus boycott in Montgomery, but all the credit usually goes to Martin. I'm only scratching the surface, so best believe I'll continue to make a fuss. But if we want the world to respect and treasure our black women, my brothers, it must first start with us. That is the peace. I was hoping it was going to be longer. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to keep going. <laughs> but really, that was that was incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you said that the title of that piece was called what? Accountability. Accountability. Wow. So what? Wow. I'm sure a lot of things <laughs> inspired that piece. But what was really the driving force when you were writing that? Um, I think that just with all the madness that's, that's you know, going on this year uh, in, in 2020, um, it was just a mix of, of a lot of things. So, you know, being quarantined during, you know, all of this, you know, social unrest um, mm -hmm. and then just being, just seeing how one, you know, like black women are like literally always, like it took, it took a while for, for people to start giving Breonna Taylor, you know, the, the, uh, the mention and the attention that, you know, she should have been getting from, you know, from jump. Um, yeah. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, her, her and, you know, both George Floyd were, were, you know, murdered around, you know, the same times. Yeah. So, so a lot of the attention was originally going to George Floyd. And um, I think that that just speaks to, you know, the, the bigger, the bigger issue of like, Black women are, you know, also, you know, being murdered and, you know, killed by, you know, by the police. And we're constantly always hearing, yeah, we got to protect our brothers. We got to protect black men. And you know, that that is true. That is true. But, yeah. you know, we can't, we can't continue to, 
to act like, you know, black men are the only ones who are, you know, facing the brunt of police brutality or systemic racism or, you know, systemic injustices. And, you know, just, you know, listening to it, like doing a lot of listening. I was doing a lot of listening um, to, to um, you know, a lot of a lot of my uh, black women who are friends, you know, family members, um, a lot of, you know, activists on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, like just just taking the time to listen instead of, you know, just jumping out and tweeting and, and doing all that. Exactly. And, and it just came down to like one, I've been guilty of it myself to where, you know, I'm just, you know, always focused on like, yeah, like we got to protect the brothers. You know what I'm saying? The brothers is out here getting <laughs> And, you know, it's a it's a narrative that not only gets played up for the national media, but it's a narrative that is you know prevalent in our community. And there was an article that I, I forgot the brother's name that wrote it, but it was basically saying how black black men are the white people to black people, uh, especially to to black women, yeah. um, because. And at first I was like, I don't know, that's a bit of a <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know about that. But um, you know, when I took the time, you know, I stepped out of my, you know, my ego and out of my masculinity. Um yeah. and you know, actually like read the article, um, and you know, took the time to research and you know, do some different things. Um, you know, it's it's really the truth. Because although we are black men and you know, we we know how it's been for black men throughout yeah. American and world history. Um, you know, the, the fact is that, you know, we are still men and, you know, we have the benefits of, you know, getting, you know, we, we have the benefits of the patriarchy. The patriarchy is at work as much as the United States is a white supremacist nation. Um, it's also a very, you know, patriarchal uh, nation. Absolutely. So, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of what black men, do to black women as far as you know relegating uh their stories relegating their their pain their trauma right. and their narratives is essentially what white america and white men do to us gotcha. so so um when i was writing writing the piece it was it was all it was all about you know like not only calling out you know the the men who are like bashing black women, you know, every day, like calling them all kinds of names, whether it's yeah. you know, the media or whatever. I mean, brothers be be vicious. Be, be vicious. <laughs> I so, can imagine. So, so it was, it was, it was bigger than that because it was also, you know, kind of a, it was a check to myself um, and to you know other brothers like me who feel like, okay, well, you know. We're not out here, you know, calling them, you know, the B word or the H word. And, you know, we ain't, uh -huh. out here, you know, beating them or, you know, we're not we're not doing the things that we would typically, you know, align with, you know, neglect or yeah. trauma. Like we're not doing those typical things yeah. by not, you know, saying their names or speaking, speaking up on their behalf or, you know, defending them in circles where, you know, our counterparts are, you know, tearing them down, you know, where we're no better than, you know, the ones that are tearing them down. So, you know, it's, yeah, it was a matter of, you know, not only calling out other people, but it was a, it was a check and a call out to, to myself as well. So. Yeah, no, that all is so true. And that's a very interesting article. I think I had a, a similar reaction as you probably not as, as intense because I'm a black woman versus a black man. Um, but I can definitely see the, the similarities between those. 
how has this year how has this year been for you um in light of everything that has happened in the black community um a lot of things have happened just in general but specifically with that and you being a black man and us being black um how has this year been for you and like what have been some things maybe that you considered this year that you didn't consider before um i think that this year as a whole this year has been um i mean as bad as it's been it's also had you know it's it's bright spots you know every absolutely you know, the cliche, every, every dark cloud has a silver lining. And yeah. you know, as, dark, as dark as 2020 has been, um, I think that, especially in light of, of all of the unrest that is going on in our community, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's definitely, you know, taking, taking that veil off. You know, like this is, this is, this is the America and this is the yes. country, and this is the this is the community that you know we've been we've been engaged to. I'll I'll, I'll call it an engagement. And you mm-hmm. know, like 2020. This is this was the year of you know clarity. Everybody was oh yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing 2020 vision. You know, 2020 vision. So you know, like like, like yeah. this was the year of the wedding. You know what I'm saying? This is the year of the yeah. wedding. And, you know, it's like, okay, like, we know America, we know our community, we know our brothers, you know, everything has its flaws, but we're going to, you know, work together, we're going to try and do our best, we're going to, you know, we're going to look past a couple of those red flags, but we're just going to keep on moving it forward. Yeah. But this year was was the wedding, when we walked down the aisle, <laughs> and we picked yeah. up that mail, and we was like, oh, oh my, so this is... <laughs> This is what it is, and like there's yeah. been no, and there's been no way for anybody to hide from it. It's exactly. like wherever wherever you turn, wherever you go, like you can't get on the internet, you can't turn on the TV. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing that you can do to get away from it. So 2020 did bring clarity. Yeah, Maybe not the clarity that, <laughs> that we wanted. Wanted right, but it's yeah. the, it's the clarity. It's definitely the clarity that we needed, um, and you know, just just on a personal um, on a personal note, mm-hmm. um, like it's being being you know quarantine and everything, um, you know, it gave me a time to actually you know sit down and like focus like on myself, my own mental health, and like the things that you know I've been neglecting because like I think it was like a month month and a half into into you know the. Or, original lockdown back in like March or April. Yeah. I had I had like three or four panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And mm-hmm. I had never it had never happened before. And I was, wow. I was I was bugging out. I was freaking out. So like after that, you know, and then just talking to, you know, a lot of a lot of the people in my circle, you mm-hmm. know, it was just a matter of like them telling me like, yeah, like you gotta like slow down. Like the world yeah. is shut down. Like there's only so much that you can do anyway. So you know, I started to meditate. I started to you know, like just take time for you know personal reflection. Um, yeah. Just, you know, actually getting the and like that's that's where you know I think that the bright, you know, the silver lining has come out of this year because um you know it forced me like it it was like look sit <laughs> down like these are you know your your toxic traits. This is mm-hmm. you know 
this is, you know, your toxic behavior. These are the things that, you know, you haven't been able to see because, you know, you've been so, you know, busy, you know, traveling to places and, you know, being mm-hmm. and, and being all distracted by everything else. But when the world is shut down and there's only so much that you can do and there's only so many places you can go, like, you're going to have to get real comfortable with yourself. And like, you don't know yourself. Uh, it, it, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting time. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What has been the biggest lesson that you've learned this year? Mm. I think the biggest lesson one of, <laughs> yeah, know, there's been a few, but um, I think it's, that you know we just have to we just have to be able to see things for what they really are um and we have to step outside of ourselves to to really get that get that understanding um and i think that's something that like a lot of people may think that you know they already do you know they may be like okay well you know I always you know put in put in that kind of consideration or you know I always you know look at things from another person's perspective but um i think that i think that it's deeper than that and like this year has given me more clarity of course i'm still you know still a work in progress and you know we're growing every day but um i think that this year you know allowed me to you know it was it was definitely a very very humbling humbling year um and it and it forced me to really like see me for like who I really am and just like understand like okay like here's the person that you know people like you know my public persona here, here here's the here here's the me that you know people see on the regular and yeah that's here, good you know what I'm saying and here's mm-hmm. the, here's the me that you know I have to you know like actually live with and it really came down to like I didn't really know myself like I thought mm-hmm. I knew. Yeah. So I think the biggest lesson for me uh, this year, and I think it's going to continue to, you know, carry on. Sure. Just, you know, getting to know myself better, being being more aware of, of, you know, what I do, um, how I treat people, even the little things um, and just engaging in a lot more self-reflection. A lot. Yeah. All of those are so important and it's not really until you take time to sit still and realize there is a gap (laughs) between, you know, who I want to be and who I actually am, especially in light of mental health and things will come up and surprise you um, in terms of like the panic attacks, anxiety attacks, things that you didn't think you dealt with. Exactly. Or maybe with what you realize it was that. Um, you'll be surprised when you actually sit back and realize, okay, these are my triggers. <laughs> I've not set good boundaries in this area, you know, and we could just go down the list of the different things regarding mental health. And I think that's been for the past few years for me. Mm. And I think it'll always continue just this awakening per se to mental health exactly. and the importance of it. Um, and really, addressing that stigma you know surrounding mental health that says that we don't need help um and that sees it you know in terms of weakness and i think especially for the african-american community i think one of the biggest um 
reasons why we are so iffy <laughs> about mental health is because it's seen as a weakness. And I think as a community, I think we already have identified ourselves by weaknesses already just mm-hmm. because of history and different things like that. We don't automatically show up as strong. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we overcompensate because we're trying to overcome those weaknesses. And that's when we're labeled as loud. And you know, the, the list that goes on, I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to assert this presence that we don't feel that we can just walk in a room and have um, just because of who we are. And so I've just really been doing a lot of reflection on, on mental health. And I, I've concluded that that's probably one of the biggest reasons um, is it's just another weakness that we have to admit that we have. Exactly. You know, and, and if we're always labeled by weaknesses, you know, that's not an easy thing to go to counseling and go, you know, to therapy and actually seek help. And um, like you have accountability. That's not something we naturally gravitate towards having accountability. So um, it's, it's so important and not just holding um, our counterparts accountable and saying, why don't you reach out to us? But also within our community, exactly. we need that accountability. We need to check on one another. We need to s- stick up for one another. Um, and I think that's one thing that I was surprised about this year, too, is seeing there was unity. But then at the same time, I was kind of surprised to see <laughs> um, just the the tension within the African-American community surrounding racism. Um, so it's it's really been a year of reflection. <laughs> to, to say the least to say the least but thank you so much for coming on and sharing that piece and just really sharing your heart um, and things that you've learned this year I really appreciate it and I want you to share with the listeners um, ways that they can best support you um, I know that you're in school and doing other things um, but you do art and I want you um, to be able to be supported and I don't like to just pitch ways that people can support I'd rather just ask the person Amen. so if you can just um, let people know where they can find you connect with you um, and just support you cool cool so um, y'all can find me on Instagram at uh, NDC underscore poetry that's NDC underscore poetry. It kind of rhymes a little bit. You know, it's kind of like poetry. Um, <laughs> y'all, can also, y'all can also find me on uh, Facebook at uh, at Nick Corman. That's N-I-C-K-C-O-U-R-M-O-N. Um, let's see. Where else you Oh, look, I just started using TikTok um, oh. recently. Look, look, I was listening to a podcast. There's a, uh, there's a dope po- uh, podcast called The Poet Life Podcast. Um, where they're talking about you know uh lifting uplifting the the uh, the uh, poetry community and building mm-hmm. the poetry industry so um mm. so so like there was there was a brother on there that was talking about you know poets and and you know other artists going on TikTok and you know disrupting you know that that industry because oh. when, you of, like, when you think of TikTok you're just thinking of, you know dancing and, dancing yeah and nonsense but when you go on there, you know, you're doing something different, like you're doing poetry, you know what I'm saying? You're doing something, something else. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, <laughs> something new. <laughs> exactly. Oh, true. I didn't even think of that. So y'all can also find me on TikTok. If you're a TikTokers on at, at uh, NDC Poetry, that's just regular NDC Poetry um, on, on TikTok. 
And, and also, what is your Facebook again? Yes, uh, N-I-C-K-C-O-U-R-M-O-N. And um, also, I have a, I have a book out. I just released a book back in. Um, Congratulations! Oh, thank you. Oh, you're so kind. Um, you know what? If I would have known, I I would have come up here with the book because I typically do that. Um, <laughs> if people have books, I like hit it and surprise them. Okay, let's see. So yes, so yes. Uh, for the love of. For the love. Yes, hold it up some more. For the love of, oh, for the love of, wow! Yes, yes, it is available. I'm not on Amazon yet, but it's available okay. on uh, BarnesandNoble.com. It's available on BarnesandNoble.com. Um, you can either search my name, or you can search, you know, for the love of, and it should pop up. But um, I just released it back in uh, the end of wait, what month was it? July. I just released it at the uh, at wow. the Wow. Congratulations. So, and what is the book about? Uh, so like the book is uh, so it's, it's a collection of poems and it really details you know what what we put ourselves through for the love of a myriad of things. So mm. uh, you know, okay. Like, wow. You know like just because we'll we'll put ourselves through all kinds of you know turmoil and, and trauma you know, just for, you know, acceptance, for validation from people that we really don't need to be validated. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, for being in a in a situationship or in a toxic relationship. And, you know, like like the book just takes, you know, several different perspectives, you know, some of them my own and some of them, you know, just things that I've observed from, you know, others that I do know. Um, yeah. And it just like really, you know, talks about, you know, like what are, and like, what are you willing to, you know, put yourself through? Um, you know, for for the love or the idolatry of, you know, whatever you're putting yourself through. Wow, that is so powerful. Thank you so much. And after this, I'm going to go purchase it. Um, but thank you so much again for sharing. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners? Hey, look, <laughs> y'all can do whatever you put your mind to. Look, manifest whatever you want to do. Just get started. That's the big thing. If there's anything that you've been wanting to do, anything you've been wanting to try, just get started. It's going to start out crazy. It's going to start out a little messy. But when you put in the work, the clarity will come. You know what I'm saying? So just keep the faith and keep pushing. And you got it. That's all. Thanks so much again, Nick. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Please make sure that you connect with Nick on social media and purchase his book, For the Love Of, at Barnes & Noble online. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSE Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.